Hello and welcome to The Book by Book, a podcast about the odd book or two you've read. I'm your host Scott and I'm not alone, Toby's here too. This episode we're talking about Rat by Stephen King and it's the last in his collection of If It Bleeds. It's going to be a fairly spoiler heavy episode but if that's okay with you, continue on and I'll see you on the other side. cold i just was talking a lot last night oh mingling yeah well yeah um date oh nice yeah how was it <laughs> it was good yeah it went really well it was a very high pitch wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah it was good um second date oh nice yeah so this wasn't the lady we previously talked about no, not the doom and gloom lady. Okay, no, no. Yeah. no, definitely not. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, she's consigned to history. Um, <laughs> uh, no, this was another lady who goes by the name of JC on Bumble. <laughs> really mm. lovely lady, very intelligent, very uh, cool. Did an escape room. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. How was that? Amazing. I tell you what, do a samurai escape room. <laughs> with a Chinese woman, and all the clues are really easy. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> she could read Chinese. What was normally is geared towards like a Western audience. So, oh, so it's, puzzle like, solving is, is figuring out words. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and she's just like, oh, that means this, this means this, 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 this. And I was just like, all right, cool. <laughs> I've got this. I'll just throw the beanbag at the, oh, at the, the, no. the, the thing that I meant to do, <laughs> and you can do the rest. Uh, I do apart- like a good spoiler. Like, mm. um, just, I think it's an episode of Star Trek where, like, they're in the hologram room mm. and uh, they're starting like a big Sherlock Holmes machine. And the robot just goes, I have to choose, here's the killer. And the, mm. the key that was hidden all along is right <laughs> here, like, at the very, I guess, uh, what's it? Um, Knives Out 2. Yeah, yeah. Same thing where it's just like, I got it, like, before yeah. the game's even started. It's like, <laughs> you're using your advantage to sort of yeah. you know, spoil that's, it. That's <laughs> exactly it. But, yeah, it was a really good escape room, very enjoyable. We got out. We technically got out. We asked for a few clues along the way. There was one particular puzzle that we swear to God was broken. Um, oh, you, okay. You had these scale things, and you had to weigh up. Uh, you had blood vials, and then you had to put the cures on the other side and weigh them up, and that gave you the numbers to unlock a thing. Mm. And we just did it over and over again, and we couldn't get it right. And we got the first two numbers, which was like a certain code. The last two numbers we couldn't get because the numbers were too high, and we couldn't get the right amount of weight. So we were p- dis- determined or uh, <laughs> 100% certain that we were missing one of the blood vials that mm. would have made the numbers up to a certain given wait so we couldn't solve it so we had to get the the guy that's the voice of god to give us the actual code oh okay but the second yeah. we clicked that we were just like bam 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 through the last puzzles and out the door with two seconds to spare apparently but i'm oh, pretty okay. sure they they massaged the time because it did feel yeah like they can you have... i feel like they watch you and if you're like close to close the yeah yeah now this is exactly it there's another one where you had to turn these dials and you had to line this picture up but there was two pictures and one of them was like these red lines and one of them was an actual picture of a samurai holding things and it was the red lines you had to line up and not the picture but you don't oh. it's like there's nothing to tell you to mm. anywhere in the whole game to tell you to line the red lines up and not the actual picture so i'm trying to get the yeah, yeah, that's a bit frustrating. But it's nice when that clicks that you're 
on the wrong path. I don't know if you ever play Codebreaker or Mind, um, mm-hmm. and you have to sort of figure out like a what color these buttons are in. Yeah, but it's this thing where you're so sure you have the right kind of the right color, the wrong order, and you've got you've been going for ages, and you're running out, and then you, it just clicks that you've just got on the wrong path. Mm-hmm. It's really satisfying when you get mm-hmm. those, those game clicks that like a little light bulb goes on. Yeah. And it will force it to place. They are satisfying yeah, as hell. That's exactly it. But no, she was really good at it. Um, uh, it was a very enjoyable time. Third date, perhaps? On the uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we, we've, I, you know, she asked me, like, how long does it take me to re- to to work out whether somebody has got a future or not? And I was like, well, I've only been on a couple of dates. And my first relationship, we didn't really do any dates. And the second relationship was the first day. <laughs> um <laughs> And so then, really quick, really quick. Yeah, she's like, oh, so one, by your then. standards, <laughs> yeah. by your standards, she's left that in the cold. Yeah, but she, for her, it's like five or six. So I said, right, okay, if I, uh, let's right. get to the sixth date and see what happens. Then. Let's knock those out. What are you yeah, doing tomorrow, bosh, bosh, the day bosh, after, yeah. the day after? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, sounds um, like it's going well so far. Good on you. Yeah, she's lovely. Really, really. Um, we'll see. She's very mm. intelligent. Uh, like probably too intelligent for me. Mm. Um, what do you mean? Mm. <laughs> but yeah no she's yes she's very very driven high achiever but it'll be good to be in the vicinity of someone like that and maybe it will push me that extra yard that i currently don't push myself mm. very cool Obviously. keep us updated yes how about you Scott? uh me i'm on sort of cloud nine these days i'm, I'm pretty Ooh. pretty good no real reason i had i've been like here in toronto a year well over a year but my my year work review sort of came up mm. and it was just like a reminder that a whole year has gone by. And sometimes mm. it feels like it's been two, three years. Sometimes it feels like it's been a few months. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm one of those people that feels like their new guy for excessively long. Right. Yeah. Like yeah. I still kind of feel like I want to go, Hey, uh, what's the password to the fridge thing? It's like, dude, you've been here like a year. You should know. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, that sort of thing. Like yeah. I, I just, I'm quite quiet at work. Right. I just, I'm just very head down, headphones on quite introverts like i'm I'm polite but i I don't quite muck in i should do Mm. and i i used to i guess i I don't know where it came but um and last night i saw a play oh wow and by the time this goes out given our our delays in editing getting out it's probably gone but if you're in toronto uh check out weird tales oh cool super fun it was like a puppet play Mm. this guy really got in like angles and fun inventive ways of oh, like no. i don't know it's hard really hard to explain and sell it um but it was sort of two mini plays one being metamorphosis yeah about half an hour 40 minutes and then one being the mountain of madness for about, no, about an no. hour i would say and um just a one-man play <laughs> being like a narrator in character puppet characters spoken characters giant mm-hmm. puppets little puppets finger puppets um like he had this gopro with a projection so he could get the puppets like really like frantically in your face considering that's they're amazing all the biggest puppet when i say big puppets the biggest one was your classic like size of a football head yeah and the smallest one was like like a finger puppet oh wow here we go i don't know how i get myself into these situations it was very i thought it was gonna be quite campy but it wasn't at all but it was quite um I think I'm using this term right, like Bordvillian boardwalk, like a right. lot of sort of card tricks mm. and sort of like interspersed with magic tricks, very weaved into the story. You know, like the narrator was sort of mirroring what was going on, 
with uh, Gregor in the Metamorphosis. So mm-hmm. At one point, he did this sort of play on like his eye. He like scooped his eye out, and he was like popping it back in his cheek, and then bleh, came out of his mouth, and then putting it in right. his ear and coming out the other ear. So the second play involved a lot of card tricks. It was on the guise of like he was talking to us as if we were professors, mm-hmm. and he was trying to explain why we shouldn't go on this Arctic expedition. As, as per like the story of Mountain of Madness is being retold yeah. by someone. And so there was a lot of sort of like card tricks. And so he he sort of had a few involvements like you, sir, what, what are you thinking of? You know, the Ace of Spades. Well, I mean, more more interwoven than that. Mm-hmm. But so he it was a small audience and a small stage. It was three rows long and it was all yeah. it was pretty flat. So a very small, intimate stage. Oh, cool. And he, uh, he basically pointed and went, you, sir, I need an assistant. That's so, so I, me. I am so well, there. <laughs> he pointed. You didn't get to choose or put your hand yeah. up. He chose. And I'm thinking, well, do you follow, do you chase the multitudes, you know? Mm. So I point at myself and I look around. And I go, me? He says, yes, sir. You pointing at yourself, looking around, asking if it's anyone else. So <laughs> I, I'm i on the aisle seat and it's only three rows long. So I step forward sort of onto the stage. Right. Can I flash oh, back yeah. about an hour before we sort of try to make a night out. We made a night out of it. So we went for a nice meal and we went Mexican and I just got something that was bigger than I thought. And uh, Because it was a small stage, it was those foldable chairs. Mm. And I was just worried about indigestion and I was just feeling stuffed. So I undid my belt because there's no sitting back reclining. And it wasn't enough. I could just feel my tummy pinching. I'm, I'm almost 40 listeners. I've got a bit of a beer belly. So I undid my full pants thinking it's pitch black-ish. I'm on the back row. No one's paying attention to me. Like I do it in the cinema sometimes. Oh, so I stand up and I realize not just my belt, but my entire effing pants are undone. And I think... Everyone's turned to look at me because I've stood up. I can't start filling with my pants now. It's going to draw attention to it. So I walk onto stage just in my head thinking any second now, my pants could just fall <laughs> down. And so I'm sort of holding them through my shirt, trying to look oh, casual, geez. thinking if he asked me for both my hands, what, what do uh, I do? Uh, oh, How just... did I get myself into this situation? Really? He says to me, what are you doing? Not you, and you don't need to come on stage. <laughs> and he stays completely in character. Not you, or oh, it's always the young ones who are eager. I'll use you later. And he was basically talking to the guy in front of me. Right. Because everyone is sort of like pointing at themselves, looking around. Yeah. And I'm just like gobsmacked. A, that somehow, how do, well, I'm never taking my pants off. Not, I'm, I'm never doing that again. B, I just walked onto stage mid-performance. And he didn't even ask you to walk on stage. It was just like, pick a card from from the seat. And uh, I was literally in shock for like, I sort of zoned out the play for five, ten minutes because I was just like, did that just happen? Oh, my God. What the? uh, I literally just walked onto stage with my pants undone for no reason. This is what happens Uh when you chase the multitudes, people. Don't live life to the max. Sit back and let someone else enjoy someone else living life to the max. Because yeah. oh, no. I just that's so good. That is so funny. What the f? I don't know how. Not you, sir. Oh, <laughs> I mean, he, he was totally cool. Like he made a joke out of it. He stayed in character. 
Yeah. Uh, to be fair, I asked my partner afterwards. I was like, did you think he was talking to me? She said, yes, I did. Did you think I was supposed to go and say it? She said, yes, I did. She might just be being kind to sort of not mm. give me social anxiety. Like next time did I'm going to play, they go, can I have an audience member? And I go, we're leaving. I ain't going nowhere near that. But uh, yeah. I always like, when I see a cool performance, especially live mm. music and theatre, it, it really made me wish I had something like that in that in my life. Right. Like that that you could have the I don't know, the confidence and the skill mm-hmm. and the commitment and the 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 commitment to the idea that you can mm-hmm. like write a play, mm-hmm. to, you know, refine it, maybe get some actors in, some props, yeah. hire out a studio. Yeah. And then just do that. Just put that on. Like this is a yeah. one one man show I watched. Mm-hmm. And he clearly just sort of I, I don't know his history, I don't know anything about him, I don't even know his name. It was just called Weird Tales, Weird Tales and Space in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And um, I just thought, like, man, like, that's no matter what this guy does in life, he'll always have done that. Yeah. And I always get a weird ping of, I, I wish I had that kind mm. of notion to be able to, mm-hmm. to be in a band and to have the thrill of a live performance, to put out yeah. an art that is just that uh, you're there and you witnessed it and yeah. it's gone. It's, it's yeah. for you, the audience only. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I think. When you when it comes to being going back to being on stage and doing that, having done a performing arts course, there is there's a real sort of joy in in providing that type of entertainment or writing something that you then put on stage and perform. I've done monologues, written massive monologues, and then delivered them mm. on stage to an audience and all that sort of thing. And it is it's really challenging. It's wonderfully uh, um, fulfilling when you complete it mm. and you come off stage. Pride, the the stuff beforehand in the wings when you're waiting to go on stage is terrifying, oh, um, and it was part of the reason why I never went pursued performing arts and trying to be a theatrical actor and stuff like that was because it was just absolutely terrifying. And a lot of that comes down to anything that you want to take under or undertake you know, that's not directly told or work. It's not something off your own back. It's the fear of failure, the fear of of not getting where you want to go with something mm. or worrying that it's not going to be good enough. You've got an idea that you believe in, but you don't think mm-hmm. it's going to be good enough. And that's something that a lot of um, writers struggle with, much like Drew. Yes. In, uh, short story <laughs> we're going to be talking about today. <laughs> Thank you very much. Yeah, good night. That's mm. <laughs> the fourth and final short story from the book by Stephen King, If It mm-hmm. Bleeds. Mm-hmm. Rant. Right. Quick note, Tobe. Have yeah. you seen the cover with the cat? I have, yes. You know there's a rat. Mm-hmm. I would say hiding in plants. Oh, you knew about the rat. Well, it's the, the whiskers and the face, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh, okay. It's like a cat and a rat. Yeah. I, I never saw the rat until mm. recently. Like I read okay. someone I was reading and someone said about it. I was like, oh, that's mm. like one of those like Silence of the Lambs. The I can't say I've noticed it, but when you pick it when you as soon as you said it, I was like, oh, yeah. No, oh, not. what you didn't know about it until that moment? No, no, not it, just, <laughs> it, it, it makes sense, like uh, thinking about it. And, if you don't know what we're talking about, just the, the cover is a cat, and I've always thought it was a bit naff, but yeah, hiding the right one. there, the nose and nostrils of the cat is the head mm-hmm. of a mouse or a rat. It looks mm-hmm. like a mouse, just a little something indeed. that I, I blew my little mind. So, yeah, the fourth, the fourth story, it's about mm-hmm. what, how many years long? 200, would you say? You've read Two, it more 300s, yeah. More recently than mm-hmm. I have. Two and a half, um, maybe. Yeah. I'll start with a quick synopsis. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So the synopsis for Rat is Drew Larson, a writer of an acclaimed short story, has given himself over to academia because every time he tries to turn a good idea into a novel, things go seriously bad, mentally, physically or both. But his latest concept, a Western thriller, is Gangbusters. That's a very Stephen King word, isn't it? Gangbusters. Gangbusters. And he goes out to an old family cabin in the woods to get the novel done. When a storm's insecurities and sickness hit, Drew strikes a sinister bargain with a rodent. Nice. And that is the synopsis. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we've got our next section. If there's nothing you want to say before I go into our review oh, roundup. Toby's Roundup Reviews. Yeah. Review Review Roundup. Positives. Justin Tate. At first, it seems like a mashup of The Shining and The Stand, which would have been super awesome because that's basically how I feel right now. But then it takes a sharp turn towards Richard Matheson territory and his button button. A solid creeper overall, despite being two halves and not quite a whole, reminds me of King's younger days and the stories that appear in Night Shift and Nightmares and Dreamscapes. Subtle references cleverly tied in the three previous novellas, not enduring by any means, but top-notch entertainment, four out of five. Nice. David Putnam. Rat is the Rat is back to the standard King fare. I enjoyed it, stayed up late into the night to finish it, this is a well-used trope that King breathes new life into. And then we have a couple of negatives, which, to be honest, I found quite difficult to find for this short story. Oh. There wasn't many. What a disappointment. I just don't get it. These are some of King's most underwhelming and boring stories I've ever read. It's still easy reading, and his style is ever-present, which is good, but all I can say. Rat, three stars... Now, this is more of a classic King, a good story, but too long for what it is, would have been better as a short story. Well, is it not? Wow. Is it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know reckon. my thoughts on shorts. <laughs> yeah. Beef it up. Beef it up. <laughs> Lucy. Although I really liked when King writes about writers, I found this last story to be simultaneously grotesque and hilarious. Also, reading about a snot-clotted bandana during a pandemic gave me the heebie-jeebies. Yes! (laughs) Belinda. Short stories slash novellas are my favourite Stephen King format. Mr Harrigan's phone is genuinely cringy. The Life of Chuck is something you'd expect as a... Is genuinely cringy. The life of Chuck is something you'd expect a young art student to write. If it bleeds, is solid okay? I gave up on rap when the inherent sexism got too much. Oh, uh, really? And then, and then, and uh, let's make this guy's person's name up. Um, Peter, really disappointing. Rat, one out of five. I said to myself, if rat. If the rat in this story starts talking and Ratatouille's the MC writer into a writing a good book, I'm giving you the whole collection one star. Well, hands up in the air. Yeah, told you so. Oh, so yeah, there's our, there's the our thoughts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, some cool things to unpack, some stuff I. What's the sexism? I can't really think of the sexism. I guess, no, there's, I guess, with I his, guess there's it's... a lot of expectations for his wife. Mm, that's the only thing um, I could put it down to. Interesting. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to get one of them females on our podcast at some point. Yeah, a, a female, especially on King. Mm-hmm. Again, maybe one that's like a classic. So, anyway. what I liked about this was that you, you 
frequently throughout these three stories that we've reviewed through so far, you've mentioned the monkey paw. Mm. And not knowing what the monkey paw was until you started talking about it. But my understanding is it's like a Faustian parable of like you give something with one hand and then that hand will then mm-hmm. take away it just, and then some. Just trick wishes. Yes, trick wishes. Like so it's, this it's, story does... Get exactly what you want, but it's turned on its head and grotesque. Mm, tapped straight into that mm-hmm. very heavily um, is basically that parable. In, does uh, it even get a mention? Like, does at one point... It, it yes. It, it's either in the afterward where he's talking about it, which mm-hmm. is about four lines. He's got about two pages of where the writing comes from. He says, where is it? Um, Let me jump ahead to rap. I have absolutely no clue where this story came from. All I know is that it felt like a malign fairy tale to me, and it gave me a chance to write a little bit about the mysteries of the imagination and how that translates to page. Mm-hmm. That's all he says on rap. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Come on, give me something. Yeah. I think there's there's definitely stuff to unpack in that though. Mm-hmm. Like they're like um, we have. I don't know if you want to go if you've got anything you want to say or get into it. Yeah, just the, like the idea of Drew um, having had this small hit and then constantly trying to write something else mm. um, bigger, better, and you know repeat that success and make a living out of it, but constantly procrastinating. Mm. And letting things get in the way. This 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 story really taps into what it's like to be a writer, what it's like to let things get in the way, what it's like to have things stop you mm. repeatedly. Procrastination, like he, he he literally takes himself away from the outside world because he doesn't believe he's going to be able to do it where he is because there's too many things in you know stopping him. Mm. Procrastinating takes himself to a wood cabin in the woods. And then proceeds to procrastinate mm-hmm. for the first week or so of being up there. So yeah, I just think that that, that you know that it, what it does really well is it looks at what what it is you know a lot of the pitfalls that people that like to write face, like we you and me ourselves have faced. Yeah, I was going like to say that the thing that is sort of great about this book, but also I guess detracts from liking the main character is it's almost like it's it's a, what it's like for an amateur to write like mm. a non-writer because mm. this guy is not young he has a job he has like a wife and kids he's basically a life win he even has a cabin in the woods yeah right he's not a struggling writer i think i've talked before about like there's a difference i guess between like someone who hasn't made it and mm. they're like unwilling to compromise and it drives them mad mm-hmm. whereas this guy has spent a life of compromise mm-hmm and there's a certain sense of I've not, I've missed missed my window, but like you didn't dedicate to this. Yes. And we do kind of have reasons, but mm-hmm. he has a separate life to write in. Life carries on without it for him. That we've yeah. talked before when we talked about uh, Tick, Tick, Boom, that yeah. sort of biographical thing. I do love the sort of the romanticness, I suppose, of the, the, the starving artist mm-hmm. who won't get a job because it's like this is their calling. They're born to do it. And they're yeah. not that it's about the art, not the money. Yes, and yes, there's the, exactly that. The side of this novel where it's not about that. It's basically, I would argue, about his ego mm-hmm. or the regret of not chasing that. Yeah. Or yeah. Not, not of having had that. Well, is it, well he has, he's chased it, but every time he does chase it, it becomes too much and it gives too much. Because, he, like he says, it, he it, starts it, to it affects fall his, apart, huh? Yeah, yeah. And he's happened to him. Previously, two times, I think it alludes to in the mm-hmm. story 
like it, it, it almost affected his family it affected his personal life it, yeah, it affected his basically had life. a breakdown no yeah yeah and so his wife is very apprehensive when he runs home mm-hmm. says i got an idea for a novel like a short like a novel like oh, oh shit. it yeah. won't be like last time like the first thing he says is it won't be like last time mm-hmm. like they're still kind of recovering and he can't mm-hmm. be trusted are you an american horror story fan I haven't seen much of it, no. I, I watched oh, okay. the first season. And it's, it's like, I don't know, season seven or eight or something. It's mm. a short one. It's only five episodes. But this struggling screenwriter moves to this little area. And so it, it, it would give you the, the gist of the premise. It's like there's a drug. Mm. And if you take it and you're artistically inclined, if you have talent, you will you will knock it out of the park. You will gangbuster right. it. Yeah. If you don't have talent, you will basically turn into a mindless zombie vampire. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's American Horror Story, we're going to say. Yeah. Would you put your money where your mouth is? That you have the talent, and you just it's it's everything else working against you. The time, mm-hmm. the financial pressure to carry on with work, or distractions. I don't know, I thought that was like just a nice setup. It's not the best series in the world, but it is only five episodes. Right. I, I don't know, sorry, it doesn't tie in greatly. No, yeah, again, it it taps into that whole monkey ball thing, doesn't it? I guess the amount of... I listen to so many writers' podcasts Mm. more than I write or anything. And it's, you know, I think one was saying, like, don't quit work to write if you're not writing. Mm. Like, don't think that taking a month off means you're right if you're not already writing. Yeah. If you're not making the time for it now, then you'll just procrastinate and you, you won't make the most of a month not working mm-hmm. and if you need if you financially support it go for it but mm. don't spin your life around on a gamble if you're no. not already doing everything you can and getting somewhere because mm-hmm. you're that's exactly it and I, I think um in on writing Stephen King alludes to the fact that he has a schedule and he sticks to that schedule every single day which is why he is so prolific mm. Um, and you know, it's part of the reason why people think he's got ghostwriters is because this is a guy that's in the latter years and he's just boshing out novels left, right, and centre. Still, it's amazing, um, no? Mm, I mean, it, it is his schedule. Is he sits down and he 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 writes a certain amount of pages or a certain amount of words every single day, and until mm. that's done, he doesn't leave the computer. And that could be an hour it takes, or it could be all day. But that is the bespoke number of words that he has to write every single day. It's uh, what's what's the longest you've ever written? You reckon you've ever sat and, and consciously typed Me? down? Mm-hmm. Oh, it would, would it be for the month of May twenty twenty when we started this? Um, I, I that month I decided I was going to write six hundred to a thousand words a day, and I wrote six hundred to a thousand words a day, and by the end of it, I got you know I had a, a, a good chunk. It was about six hundred words a day. Mm. So I ended up with 14,700 words or something like that. Um, <clears throat> what's that? In, what's that in pages? Sorry. I don't know. You've got, <laughs> you've got the manuscript. Oh, the, true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, 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 the uh, ogre but, uh, who thought it was but, a gnome. So that was like two hours a day, three hours a day? Yeah, something like that. It's a lot, no? Sat, yeah, it is. It's hard work. It was It was very difficult. Um, at times I found it really easy. Other times I found it very challenging. And I found that I got to the point where I'd envisioned in my head and mm. then I struggled and I haven't been back since. This is what I'm going to talk about too, because within mm. the novel, so Drew basically, not I would argue abandons his wife, I don't know, so very, mm-hmm. very much drops it on her. Um, he, there's, a, there's a, I guess a nice scene where he's picking up supplies 
mm-hmm. and it did feel very like some some pandemic thoughts yes in exactly this. that yeah basically shakes a sick man's hand mm-hmm. in this case it's super important like it's it's not really mm. arguable that this is what happened that guy actually died it turns out Mm-hmm. There's some nice thoughts on um, that the person he's talking to, like a, a week or two later, says like he just didn't go to the hospital. He was just too proud. Mm. And I think that's a really common cause, not a yeah. common cause, but like the amount I think, particularly in males who don't get things checked up, who mm. don't go to the doctor. It's a crazy, it's a crazy high number because mm. you're just not bothered. You think it doesn't matter, or you're like that. You're just too proud. You'll you shake it off. Away. Yeah. yeah. He gets a bit aggressive now. He, he is pretty... He's not the most likable character. No, no, he definitely is, not. Like no. This guy he does rip into, he is calling him a yokel. Like, he's mm-hmm. pretty, pretty um, grossed out by him. Yeah, it, it, from the from the get-go, mm-hmm. it comes across that way. Yeah, totally. Mm. And so he, he gets there, and I guess he does procrastinate a bit, but he does he does clap down. He does get mm-hmm. off to a rocking start. Mm-hmm. That's That's what we all do. Yeah, yeah, and then very much so. approximately within the first third, there's that trail off, and I think that's so common. Mm. That's the most common thing of like unfinished books are just rocking start, fell apart, basically mm. after the start. I'm yeah. definitely guilty of that. I am definitely one of those wannabe unsuccessful writers because mm-hmm. purely because I haven't finished anything. It doesn't matter. Like I feel like it doesn't matter how bad it is. If it's finished, you can just say you're a writer. Yeah, it doesn't have to be sold, but I'm 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 not me. I haven't finished anything. <laughs> Why do you think that is? I think there's a bunch of reasons, huh? Yeah, yeah. Um, for me, it's imagination. I take it as far as I, I get so far into an idea, and think that's really good. I should get mm. this down on paper, and then I start to put it down on paper, and I don't ever finish the idea. And then when I get to where I've envisioned, I stumble. I like know, you, I know, as, suddenly... as far as the initial thought plan came mm, mm. Mm. and that can be quite far it can be 14,000, 15,000 mm. words which is you know substantial amount mm. um, but it just yeah it just becomes too much and I just suddenly panic or I start to think actually what have I written is it any good yeah, is where I'm going to end up going any good self doubt huh what I need is a rat to come along and give me a wish <laughs> <laughs> Like it's, I don't know, there's a sense of, A, if I keep going, I'm going to finish. If I finish, mm. like, I, I don't think I'm going to be a good writer. Mm. If I abandon this, I can still tell myself I have talent and I'm a good writer. Yeah. I just haven't yeah. done anything. If yeah. I finish it, it will be official and yeah. terrible. But what's that saying? Like, the the best book unfinished is, is, isn't as good as the worst book finished. Oof. That's a saying, but that's a good one that. if you've just made it. No, I, I think it's more pithy, but right. you know, your your unplanned novel isn't as good as my terrible actually written novel. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, completely. So yeah, going back to this this monkey paw business mm. and the idea of you're given a promise or a wish and mm. then you you take that you take up that wish and then the actual payoff is worse than you could possibly imagined. Mm-hmm. Do you think that it's Holds true within this story. Uh, it's not necessarily that it's worse than what it was in this case, mm-hmm. but it is. It just uh, I feel like there's a moral of the story. Mm. If you take the shortcut, you're robbing your own victory. Right. Okay. And in this case, he's literally marred by his experience. Yeah. So, with spoiler here, uh, listeners, we're getting spoiler territory. 
so he gets sick and there's like a big storm coming in and he gets sort of stuck in his cabin and it's like it's it's not a frosty cabin but it is like he's fevering and it's not like central heated cabin or anything mm. and then so one night in the storm i think there's like a shed knocked over i don't know if that's really mm-hmm. happened yeah, it gets blown over yeah. but there's a sort of scratching at the door and it's just this like half dead half drowned rat and he just takes pity on it and sort of puts it in by the fire of all the things king has done all his crazy aliens that feels like the most unrealistic thing. I don't know. <laughs> Would you yeah. think? I guess it, it's not a city rat. It's like a forest rat because he is in a cabin. Yeah. But I don't know if I would bring a rat, a wild rat, into my single-roomed cabin. It does go against everything that Drew's been up to that point. You know, the very mm. standoffish, sort of mockery. Quite a selfish dick. Yeah, basically. I guess you could argue he just, he was sick and feverish, so he took pity mm-hmm. on the rat because he's in a similar situation. Or, or it's just, it's not actually true, there's no rat. It's well, only... yeah, there's the spin spin. Uh, and so in the morning, or in the night, this rat's sitting on him, is it just sitting on his chest? It's like better. Yeah. And it oh. starts chatting to him. And it basically says, do you want a successful novel? Mm. I can give that to you, but someone's going to have to die Mm-hmm. Oh crap! Um, but he sort of knows someone who is in like treatment for cancer and who's fairly, mm-hmm. fairly late middle age. Does he? Does he? Does he know that, or does the rat give him that as a way out? Uh, the rat gives him that as a way out, does it not? It it says, "I'm going to take someone from you." Yeah. So and initially, he's like, he's like "No, of course not. I've got a wife and a, and a, yeah. and a young kids." He yeah, he, such, he handpicks this character. Right, okay. Which is his like his friend at the university, I think, and someone Mm -hmm. he sends work, someone he sort of corresponds to about writing. Mm -hmm. And he just thinks he's dying anyway. Mm. So let's do it. Shakes shakes hands with the rat. He chose this old guy. I don't know if he was old. He chose this guy because he he was was dying. dying And he does get the energy to write the book. Mm -hmm. It does go on to sell and be a big hit. Mm-hmm. Does the guy die? Yes, <laughs> but he's. Yes, he does. But it's not just him. Is that right? Yeah, it's his wife. He died. They die in a horrible car accident. Die in a car accident. Boom. Mm-hmm. So and then the, our, our man just has to sort of live with the with knowledge, the potential consequences. He mm-hmm. does go back, and he kind of finds like a toy rat, mm-hmm. a stuffed toy from his kid. So there's a big. Yeah. This was probably just a Back to the cabin. This is fever hallucination. Yeah, maybe. Did you enjoy this novel? This little little ditty? Yes, I did. Um, just quickly going back to the oh, the, sorry. Go, the go. idea of the payoff or the, the 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 ending being like Drew is the his his recompense for the death of these two people that was unexpected. He only expected one of them to die. Mm. The second person dies, but. We as readers or listeners, uh, d- d- readers even don't don't have any sort of connection to these two characters. They're all off camera, as in mm-hmm. essence, and their death doesn't really impact us. And I don't know how much it impacts Drew. Yes, the old guy was a friend, but again, his guy was dying, so maybe he was taking him out of his the pain that he was experiencing. Mm. You know, the guy was retiring, and it was basically end game for him. It just came a little bit quicker. But Drew doesn't really. He, he gets the successful novel. He gets all the riches that comes with that, but he decides not to write, mm. carry on writing due to feeling of guilt. 
guilt, yeah. Mm. Um, but that's really the only recompense he gets from making this deal with, in essence, the devil. And do you think that's a good enough payoff, or do you think he should have gotten uh, more the twist? You know, like Leon normally, but uh, like something I said, bigger will come from that. Is that not the twist in the tale? Is in the one thing he thought would would be his like success, mm-hmm. but the one thing that the unadulterated fiction joy has just been stripped from him. Yes. Like I yeah. get it. It's like, okay, well, that's not much considering two people are dead and if we're saying yeah. it's his fault, but it's like his, like the whole point was that he wanted to write. And now mm. it's like his, the irony of the the one joy he had is stripped away. You can argue, sure. Yeah. I guess like if we're going to get in very like real world terms, like no, <laughs> not at all. Mm-hmm. But um, I no, guess, I sorry, you're, I your, your right. question, your question before we cut out was, um, was was it the monkey's paw? Was it was it an mm. undercut wish? And uh, I guess so with the with the wife dying, and it was like a car crash. It wasn't like yeah. he died in his bed. Mm-hmm. Like I guess he thought he would get away with it to, in his own head. Like he yeah. he was going to die. He would die of the cancer. Yeah, and he could tell himself that that was happening anyway. But uh, I think he basically started going into readmission, maybe, or it was it was mm-hmm. even months later, and he was mm. showing signs, at least I believe, of improvement. Mm-hmm. And then it was cut out, and his wife died. Yeah, and he had he had a good few more years than it was expected. Did you say someone was yeah. comparing it to Matheson's The Box? I think the premise of that yeah, is yeah. Button, uh, button. Uh, a, str- a struggling family financially uh, receive a box from a stranger who basically says, every time you press this, you'll receive, I think at the time of financial, like $100,000, but someone will die. Someone, mm-hmm. someone you don't know will die. Mm-hmm. And that's the conceit. Like, where are you morally with, like... They'll never know it's you per se. Yeah. Well, so they think you're literally pressing a button, and just someone in in the world out there is going to blink yeah. out of out of life. Just a bit like uh, Gwendy's button box and the film, the box even, which I think is probably based mm, on. That I think button. that is the button. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, so I guess that just playing with the idea of like, if you can get away with something, will you? Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, it's yeah. It's like I think I think you're right. It, it's it's. The one thing he strives for and has pursued and wanted to be successful at is now tainted. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a little like, was it his talent? Yeah. yeah. Can can yeah. he take credit? Was it damn it, I didn't write that? Mm. Um I was influenced. Yeah, no, completely. So it's the, the entire experience of writing has been soiled and will be soiled forevermore. Mm-hmm. And I guess he's just a sort of cursed himself mm. because it, it sort of doesn't matter if it to him if it was real or not mm. because he knows he was willing to make that deal. He said yes. Yeah. So even yeah, if he goes all so. the psychiatrists and it's proven that that you know there's no such thing, it's a hundred percent that was in your head. Kind of doesn't matter. Yeah, I like he, that. That's he, good. It's, that it's, is. it's That's like you know. You can argue he was feverish. <laughs> to be, to be yeah. fair, I would argue like when you're when you're feverish yeah. and delirious, they make your base the best hallucinating, <laughs> and you're, you sort of think you're dreaming. Yeah, you're you're in a whole nother state. But I don't know, it's a short novel; it can't. Yeah. Then detract yeah. away from the morality, and Stephen King goes, "But he thought he was dreaming. He said, doesn't really matter anyway." Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I, I did. I like this novel. Uh, yes. I enjoyed with this short novella. I do, I did enjoy it again. I feel like I say I enjoyed it a lot. It wasn't the strongest of the four. Probably, I would I would have put it third. 
give, give me, a, give me an if it bleeds order from from worst to best. Oh, you know, um, I call it things worse from least enjoyed by Toby to worst yeah, enjoyed by Toby. Yeah, <laughs> um, at the time it would have been Harrigan's phone, life of no Harrigan's phone. If it bleeds, rat life of Chuck. Mm. But since discussing it and reviewing and mm, Life of Chuck, getting, getting it's into... moved up to the second position. Oh. And then If It Bleeds has moved to the bottom of the stack. Oh, Holly. Mm. How could you? Although I love Holly. No, I know, it, I know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I would say Harrigan's phone, Chuck, Rat, Bleeds. Interesting. Mm. What about you? Uh so I just really enjoyed this one. It's not its best story. It's We've literally read it before in Secret Garden, Secret Window. Mm-hmm. None of the ideas were new. But it doesn't mean he didn't just bring something nice to it. And for me to enjoy it this much, even though I didn't really like the main character, and we are 100% with the main character. You know, like you said, someone said it feels like this This sort of could have fitted in with Skeleton Key or mm. one of his one of his other like I guess it's older style and and I'm trying to yeah. not pine for that like you said before there's people who always just go on about it and mm. I don't really want to be that person because it's not coming well I thought it wasn't coming back but here we are yeah doing rap but this just felt like King having some fun unadulterated yes. fun on his behalf mm-hmm. and even still I feel like he snuck in some really personal stuff I think um remember when I said I listened to that interview and they asked him what he was scared of and he sort of didn't have a sort of boogeyman but he said sort of you know losing the the will losing the Mm -hmm. ability cognitively mentally Mm -hmm. there's a line in this and um so when our writer starts to fall apart it sort of comes out of him by not being able to find the right word and obsessing and i think there's literally a line yes there's a bit late at night where he says do i have alzheimer's Mm. And I think mm-hmm. this is probably something that's happened to him. One of those late, like the difference between, um, you know, when I, when I, when I, for example, had COVID and mm. I got pretty sick, I was fine. The day. I felt rough as hell in the daytime, but I was fine. I was just, I'm just going to yeah, watch some TV. Oh, I can't watch TV. Yeah. I'm just miserable, but sick, but fine. That same feeling in the dead of night was just a little more scary. Just the thoughts change mm-hmm. at nighttime when you can't, the night is long when you can't sleep. Yeah. And just the sort of thoughts that sneak into your head and, and take root just out that the same thought during the day doesn't, doesn't just take hold and twist you mm-hmm. the same way. So I do wonder if he's like, you know, had days when he struggled writing that he didn't have when he was young or he doesn't think he had. So questions like, am mm-hmm. I losing it? Of course, I think everyone, um, would probably have to, any artist yeah any level probably questions you know whether they're still doing what they used to whether like that that i wonder if that feeling of is this any good is this rubbish mm-hmm. yeah i thought that was really good that that when he is because it does jump from explanation to the actual his writing of the novel and bits within the novel that he's putting pen to paper mm. i think it's the typewriter and it, again, it ties into that procrastination. Is suddenly you can see his mental state start to crumble and crack, and mm. the illness to take hold because he does start to fixate on the right words in sentences. Uh, you, know, you know, type it, delete it, type a new word, delete mm. it. Is it this word? Is it that word? And it's almost that procrastination becomes in a really destructive way, not in a cool yeah. like I'm a writer and I strive for the perfect words, but mm-hmm. in a destructive way. Yeah, like I said, I listen to a lot of podcasts undermining himself about himself. writing. And the amount of times they say the first draft, you, like the people saying, like I will literally put in red 
there's a church here do some research and fill in description of church and then move mm-hmm. on like if mm-hmm. you don't have it and you're in a flow that first draft is just everything i mean it depends there's different kind of writers there are right like stephen king says you want to be like i don't know if he says you, you want to be but he says for him he's roughly like 60 percent done with his first draft mm-hmm. and that's the amount he, he predicts he's going to edit for example um and then you've got so, gaiman who will just is the very opposite he'll write something he'll almost chuck it in the bin and then rewrite it oh yeah i've done very little research in game he's mm. he's pure like his fun isn't not his fun isn't his powers in the post yeah. the post draft yeah yeah because mm. there's a really fun bit in this book i noticed where the narrator starts kind of mirroring the fall apart there's right. a bit where it says there's one line that stood out and it was like where am i where am i where am i the lights started to flicker or maybe i should say stuttered Mm-hmm, like the mm-hmm. narrator starts like eh, not that word this word yeah and it's exactly quite it. it's, it's fairly subtle but it's quite nice yes and stuff like that it's is great. really nice the sort of reflection mm-hmm. that just sort of made it really really fun yeah let me see my notes there's some nice rap wordplay on this which is quite fun right. it just starts like hearing the word rat and everything okay I, I can't think of any examples but like, oh we take the rat out at night huh like the cat we take the cat out at night okay they're, <laughs> they're a bit more playful than that oh yeah. yeah but yeah, there's, yeah. there's about three or four oh i'm rat tired tonight huh i'm just saying i'm dead tired oh sorry i thought you said rat <laughs> I didn't know. brilliant yeah yeah that's after the after the the deal sort of stuff yeah and uh i had a little ping of delight because we get another to me just it doesn't really play anything and it's not anything like the to me i love and know but there's just a mention of a to me and um if you can remember the langoliers probably Mm -hmm. my favorite i don't know if i like the character from langoliers from the novel or the film langoliers the actor who plays to me is so delightfully over the top yeah i just i want i I want the actor's version of to me i think this is the second time i think 11 22 63 had a to me in it but right i don't know it was just the name strings through or it's like yes it's like that tarantino thing of like he's a direct relative but it means nothing because yeah. he doesn't he doesn't do the to me that we all love right. though yeah <laughs> if, you, if yeah. you uh dear listener go and check out the movie it's probably on youtube of the langoliers yes and you are mm-hmm. in for an absolute delight yeah um, I guess classic or more, more tie building. made for tv mm. you uh toby you quite like to to take books on the face value more mm. often than not. W- was the rap real for you? Mm. <laughs> I want to say probably not. Mm. And I think you, you it, no, it's not real, but you nailed it perfectly when you defined it that in his hysteria in in and in the deal making, he chose to make the deal. And that mm. in itself is a testament to the horror that lies within him that he's ashamed of. Mm. And that is the evil that has, you know, ruined him going mm. forward. This there's a lot of evidence that there's so much uh, nods towards it not being real, mm. more than it being real, I think. Like yeah, the sickness, yeah, the toy rat, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Do, you think, do you think it's real? No, I, I think he just fevered it. Because in the past, he's literally had a breakdown. It's like his mind had to f- snap to, to find a way for him to cope and to continue mm-hmm. writing the story. It sort of gave him like a, comp- like not a confidence, but it, it sort of gave him an alternative. Yeah. If that makes sense. Like him yeah. just, it's like that, what's that film? Inception. 
And yeah. he had to inception himself, whether he really remembered that dream or not. He was like, oh, yeah, I've made a deal with the devil. The book's going to be successful so I can sort of plow through it and yeah. finish it, not worrying about if it's going to be perfect. It's almost setting himself outside himself. It's like, this isn't me now. This is now no longer me writing this book. This is the devil writing this book. Kinda, I therefore yeah. can't get stuck and hung up on all my own insecurities and worries because it's not me writing it anymore. This is how I'm going to finish this book. Uh, do, do you ever... It's a bit of a, it's kind of a thing. Do you ever, are you ever not able to enjoy something because you're not sure if it's, you're so hyped, you don't know if it's going to be good? Um, For me, on a, a, like a similar, I don't know if this is similar, but it feels like it's probably the same thing and it, to a lesser like sense. But um, when I watch horror films mm. and I watch a lot of horror films, and especially if they're a franchised horror film, I build a, a, a um attractions to mm. the lead characters mm-hmm. um because in the first one they defeat the big bad right and right. then they're back in the second one and mm. they defeat the big bad and i then become fearful of them not surviving because mm. that the whole point of them I, I want off in people, a sequel. yeah i want them to survive otherwise mm-hmm. i don't want them to be in the sequel because i don't want them to die I'd rather they just be off and new <laughs> give them a happy ending. Them. Yeah, that's what I, I always strive for. So the screen films, mm. I was I, I I spent the whole of the sixth film not Is enjoying it because one? I was that that the, the one before the newest one, worrying okay. that one of the three central characters, Dewey, Gale, or Sydney, were going to die, and because, I just didn't want them to die right. because mm. I've watched them for five films survive. Mm. Subsequent attacks, and it would just it felt wholly unfair that they should get killed by some random person. And yeah, so <laughs> I've spent a lot of time worrying about that. I won't spoil if any of them do die, but mm. I didn't enjoy the sixth film for the, that very reason because they'd survived five. I was happy that they would have left it there. I did want another screen film, but I would have liked it if they didn't bring back the legacy characters. And now we've got the seventh film, and again, I'm worrying about certain characters being oh, no. and I, I put off watching it because for that very reason it just has to happen it's like, it's like Han Solo like the actors mm. probably want their contracts up because mm. it's like well, and I'll I think take the money and... yeah I think it stems from my first viewing of Nightmare on Elm Street which again is a Wes Craven film mm. you know Alice and uh, Heather Lamkamp being the or Nancy being the survivors of those that, that franchise and then I think Nancy survives and then mm. it's only killed off in the real world version, which is like um new nightmare. But yeah, I that that probably is the same sort of thing. But yeah, I guess I don't know. I felt that in in um God, I've, we've gone so off, I've forgotten my point. Like I guess I was talking about you can't enjoy something till you've there's a certain relief. And I guess that's what this writer did to himself. He couldn't mm. knuckle down and enjoy this writing process not knowing if he was going to snap, I suppose. Mm, mm, mm. So he sort of snapped to get the snap out of the way. I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. There. yeah. Mm. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, so possibly. It's it's sort of out there now, and everyone's hyping, but I think it means not as much as people think. that All the, the rights to all of these have been snapped up. The all these short, it, short stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I well. think, uh, who's the guy who just did The Whale? Um, Darren Aronofsky has Life yeah. of Chuck. Oh, and- cool. Ben Stiller has Brett. But I'm very aware optioning the rights, everything gets optioned. It's Stephen King. Mm -hmm. People probably optioned it like 
I will, I've been wanting to do a king for so long. I will just snag whatever comes. Like it's like Glastonbury tickets. I'm just hitting refresh till I can get something. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd like to see it. Um, yeah. Who? who uh, so everyone's saying I'd love to see Ben Stiller, but I have great. Who, who would you cast as Drew? Who would I cast as Drew? Oh. <sighs> I would cast the uh, if you you know the Green Mile. Mm-hmm. The person who plays uh, the, the the evil inmate that stamps that on the Sam rack. Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. That's who I would nice. pass Drew. Mm. Is that because he stamped on a rat? <laughs> no, because he's just I, I don't particularly like him, and I think he's a great actor, but I don't like the character. I love he Sam plays. Rockwell, and I think he would be great as Drew because I would. Nice. You don't particularly like Drew, and he can do characters that you don't particularly like really well. Mm, Smimey. Mm. I'm going for Michael Shannon. If you know oh, okay. Is. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why he's got that God. intense rudity. Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't mind seeing a little film of this. I just think, mm-hmm. I, I, it. I guess I love it when a writer, like a screenwriter, can take something and run with it. Like I said, I felt like the Outsider TV show was probably just enhanced by being a show, and mm-hmm. uh, I would hope that this can turn into something more than it is. I, I still mm-hmm. haven't seen Mr. Harrigan's phone, but you said it's just like it's spot on, and as a result, it's like interesting and fun but that thing of there's just no surprises yeah yeah but i don't know this one gets a thumbs up for me Mm -hmm. um like i said it's like it's sort of simultaneously nothing to write home about but also just really fun to Mm. to read i I don't know like it's that thing of it can flip on a dime king having writers as characters i'm pretty sure his next one will be and i'll be like oh god i'm sick of this no more (laughs) yeah um, yeah. An odd little collection, I guess. The more I read about these collections, it's like they they seem quite higgledy piggledy. It's just whatever yeah. King doesn't have released, smashed together. Mm-hmm. Like to, you said, to, the, to the post it note approach. Mm. Uh, what's your thoughts on Hole? As if it bleeds, just wrap up the whole book. Where the does this rank book. as just as a collection? It was. It was. Uh... I would it- give it seven out of ten stars. It was, on the whole, very readable. There were some nice tales in there, mm. but none of it really matched no my appetite in a way that I was like, "I oh, this is just incredible." Because mm. mm. I, I, I might be wrong, but because I remember at the time you seemed a bit nonplussed by it. Mm. I don't know if it was initial disappointment because of the Holly one or. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you just finish something and it feels like there's no centerpiece. Yeah. Like I guess like exactly like you just said, there's no, there's no one story. Hey, we're gonna wrap it up around there. I want to thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed. Join us again next episode. And until then, support your local bookstores and have a great day. <laughs>